I just turn now for a little uh, to the passage of Scripture we read, the Gospel according to Luke, and particularly chapter 12. Um, and um, try to cover the, 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 the post of chapter 12 that uh, we read from verse 1 to verse 12 but um, it'll, be, it'll be part of it only that I can cover with the Lord's help and we need his help In, just to concentrate on in the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, it could be translated, he began to his disciples say to his disciples, first of all, beware. Some take it that way, but anyway. As it is here, he began to say to his disciples, to his disciples first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now the context, as we read it in, in chapter 11, uh, is uh, our Lord had been given an invitation to lunch by, uh, obviously by a prominent uh, Pharisee. And uh, our Lord accepted uh, that invitation uh, so graciously, um, despite the vast gulf that existed between the Pharisees and the Pharisees' attitude to him. How, no matter the gulf that existed between them and him. He, in his grace and in his humility, uh, accepted the invitation, though he well knew of the kind of attitude that the Pharisees in general had towards him. And um, we read that, uh, that um, when, the fa- when he went in and sat down to eat, that the Pharisee, when he saw the Lord sitting down at the table without uh, um, engaging in the traditional ritual of washing. Um, he obviously uh, ad- adopted and somehow indicated his disapproval uh, of uh, what our Lord had done and his need as a Pharisee was concerned, neglecting this very important rite or ritual of washing, particularly the hands. Um, and uh, uh, the Lord, quite shockingly, you can say, quite surprisingly, launches out in a you can say an attack on uh, the the Pharisee and 
those he rep the other Pharisees he rep represented, that his their lawyers and um, that um, scribes who were regarded as a particularly religious elite and esteemed themselves better uh, than others. And it is quite an attack. Um, what he, he, he accuses them of hypocrisy and uh, he didn't mince his words. Um, quite quite uh, clearly the present company uh, took exception uh, to what he was saying and um, one of one of the lawyers uh, present um, object made his objection public one of the lawyers answered and said to him teacher by saying these things you reproach or you insult us also and he got something he didn't expect got more than he bargained for the Lord turned on him and pronounced his own uh, the same woes we've got two uh, two salaries you say of uh, woes, woes first of all three woes on the scribes and the Pharisees and now when this man pipes up and the Lord turns upon him uh, uh, with, with his displeasure at the sheer hypocrisy that exists amongst, amongst them all um, uh, he doesn't spare him the same woe, woe to you also lawyers three times he, he pronounces uh, these woes upon uh, that elite group uh, that he was that were such enemies uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ and enemies to the kind of religion and the kind of piety godliness that was so evident in the Lord's life and uh, uh, in the in the Lord's ministry. It was quite a quite a lunch, don't you think? Not very unusual to turn uh, on your host and speak to them or to him in these terms. But we must be aware of thinking that on the one hand that our Lord was careless about hygiene, not a bit of it. It wasn't hygiene uh, that he was um, uh, concerned about, but just this pharisaical um, uh, right and the, the, the sheer hypocrisy that lay behind that so called carefulness godliness indulging and he tells them foolish ones uh, did not uh, he who made the outside make the inside also Eurasian uh, uh, make the outside of the cup and dish clean but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Mm -hmm. The Pharisees were perfectly ha happy to put on a show, a show of piety, a show of religiousness, but inside their hearts was so very different, an utter contradiction between what they were on the outside 
and where, what they were on uh, the inside. Neither was our um, uh, our Lord disrespectful uh, in any way. He wasn't. Uh, 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 he wasn't unmindful of uh, proper etiquette. But you see, this hypocrisy was so offensive to him. And it needed to be exposed. These people had to be shown to be what they really were inside. And no one was fitter to take that task on than the Lord Jesus Christ, who knew each and knows each individual through and through. Whoever we can sort of uh, put the blind on their eyes eh? we can't do that on the Lord he knows us he knows exactly who we are in our hearts and it is the heart it's on the heart that uh, the Lord looks and it is the heart hearty service hearty worship uh, a genuine relationship with him that is what he desires to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. Total. That is what the Lord requires and desires. And that, friends, is what the Lord deserves. Not mere lip service, but the service from the heart. <coughs> It must have been quite a lunch, indeed, quite an unexpected uh, uh, outcome. Um, then we read in verse 12 his exit from uh, uh, this, 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 this lunch, a so-called lunch, um, because a crowd a huge crowd um, began to gather uh, around uh, the home. Uh, Luke says that uh, it was an innumerable multitude. A huge uh, congregation gathered around. And that was indicative of um, the popularity uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ's and his ministry at this particular stage or at this particular um, uh, point in his ministry. It didn't remain like that. But at this time, he was growing in favor with God and with men. Uh, and that surely, is, that surely would, must have been a comfort to him instead of the cold aloofness that characterized and crit critical spirit uh, and antagonistic attitude on the part of the religious elite or so called and that is something we can uh, apply to ourselves what a lift what a comfort 
it is to see an enthusiasm amongst the general public or with regard to the gospel with regard to the things of God what a sadness it is in our day when these things are at a very low ebb see, see, see the numbers now that attend a place of worship uh, what a difference it is uh, in comparison to past ages and, and I, I can't give you the I suppose I should have tried to look it up but um, I don't know what the uh, percentages now of people who attend church not twice a day but even once a day it's a pretty low figure in comparison into the population and of course that tells its own story and it's a cause for grief a cause for grief and a cause to bring before the Lord our God things, spiritual things are at such a low ebb in the country at large sadly at a very low ebb even in our own island such a contrast to past time even within the memories and the experience of most of us here it's so different it just it just breaks your heart when you think of the of former days when there was an enthusiasm about the gospel Services being packed, packed to the rafters, and now only sort of small handfuls here and there. Oh, that the Lord would come! And once again, uh, in a day of His power, because it isn't preachers that are going to make the difference but the power of God's spirit it is the spirit that quickens the flesh profits nothing let us be mindful of that that we look beyond and I know that Mr. Stewart we look forward to his preaching benefited from his preaching he is an able expositor of the word but friends don't let us make the, the foolish mistake of looking to a man and not look and forgetting God. It is the Lord that blesses any ministry and blessed be his name. He can he can bless even even men whom we may regard as uh, not really all that attractive it is the spirit friends it is for the spirit and let us in the prospect of Mr. Stewart's induction here let us not neglect bearing him up in prayer and pleading with the Lord to grant his holy spirit
our Lord then goes out. Uh, he leaves this place. You, you can't help but think that he left it with a good measure of disgust at the sheer hypocrisy that uh, he, 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 he witnessed. Um, even in that home that was supposedly welcoming him. But all the time just looking for um, uh, looking for an opportunity that they might accuse him to the authorities. Uh, he certainly upset them. So so upset upset it, upset them that um, um, as he said these things to them the scribes and Pharisees began to assail him vehemently began to ply him uh, with retorts and ply him with, uh, with, with questions cross-examining him about many things seeing if they could find trap him and tempt him into a situation where he might <clears throat> might from a human point of view, um, be indiscreet. Our Lord was never indiscreet. He was never indiscreet. But they were trying, they were, of course, not regarding him as the, the Son of God, God in our native, just an ordinary man. Hmm. And seeking to trap him, to trip him up, so that they then could report him uh, to the authorities and that he would be accused and condemned. And that would, uh, they were hope, as we can see, they were hoping that they could even terminate, not his ministry, but his very life. That was the animosity that they bore to God manifest in the flesh. What an awful attitude uh, that, that, that was. Sadly, that attitude is still prevalent amongst men and women in the world. All they, all they can do is take his name in vain. And there are plenty instances of men and women who once they hear the name of the Lord Jesus will just begin to use it as a curse and I swear uh, the Lord will not hold them guiltless who take his name in vain. And you listen, you listen. I'm sure you're perfectly aware how often the name of Jesus and the name of Christ and the name of God is taken in vain amongst men. Swearing is a common practice amongst the population at large and in this island too. Yeah. It just, you cringe when you hear some of the language uh, that is used with reference to God and to his dear son. So he exits, he exits this, this, this uh, uh, company of, the, of Pharisees and scribes and, and, and lawyers and switches his attention to this large, uh, com uh, not large congregation. And as I said, what a what a relief it must have been to to, to, 
to feel this uh, so different attitude uh, to, towards him. And um, uh, he addresses his disciples first, although he's what he delivered to his disciples. Um, what, what he delivered to his disciples was also in the hearing of this large concourse of people so that they could benefit from the instruction he was delivering to his own uh, disciples. And that, of course, uh, included the disciples there, I think, must have included the apostles, that, uh, the, the twelve apostles, along with those uh, who had come to uh, believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and of course, they were amongst this vast uh, con congregation. And uh, uh, he addresses the disciples. Um, that's a, a, that's a, quite a legitimate practice in preaching the gospel to, to aim at a, at a particular group for instance um, you can a, a preacher can aim and um, uh, oh, I can't give the word um, well, best word wholeness wholeness address towards it Believers, the Lord, the, uh, the Lord's, the Lord's people. Um, uh, some people object to that kind of thing. Oh, he was preaching to to them, not to us. And even unconverted people uh, can can respond uh, to a to, to, to a preacher in that way. Oh, he's not not thinking of us at all. Well, actually. Whilst a message may be uh, aimed at a particular group, say the believer, uh, a preacher should never confine his, his message just to believers. It, uh, when, there's, when it's a mixed audience, I think a, a minister should uh, take advantage of the, uh, the presence of those who are unbelievers and at least make some reference to them and point uh, point in an evangelistic way uh, point them to the Saviour uh, because, because they need to hear their need of the Lord Jesus Christ and they need to hear that Jesus Christ is the Saviour of sinners, that this man receives sinners and eats with them. And no, I'm, I'm sure no, no true minister uh, uh, neglects the unconverted in his, in his preaching. And yet, on the other hand, uh, there may, and there have been occasions, and there have, it's known, when a minister's sermon, uh, uh, 
is properly understood like that or not, but seem to be confined uh, to the Lord's people. Now I never, this is coming back a moment to my memory right now. Remember the late uh, Dr. Collins, many of you still still remember him. Uh, he was qu- quite a frequent visitor to, uh, to, to this island, especially at communion times. He told me on one occasion how he had uh, taken, a, taken a service and um, Unusually for him, at least as far as my estimation of was concerned, he felt he wasn't making much progress with his sermon. A feeling I often share with him. But anyway. And um, he just took got this service to a conclusion as soon as he felt was acceptable. Anyway, some time passed and there was a, probably a communion and a lady appeared um, before the church session seeking uh, to profess her faith in Christ. So he asked her, you know, um, a little bit about herself and how she had come to trust in Christ and know Christ as her saviour. Um, and uh, she said, well, do you remember preaching on such and such an occasion? And he looked at her and he said, well, I don't know that he says, said this to her, but certainly he said that to me. Could I ever forget it? And she remembered the text, but he said to her, what was in that uh, sermon for you? Oh, he said, that's, he said, what got to me. That I was a stranger to all that you were bringing before the congregation. How the romance of preaching, as Dr. Lloyd-Jones would call it, you never know what takes place eh, under the preaching of the gospel. Certainly there are disappointments, but there are many, many surprises. And just by, uh, by the way. So in any case, uh, the, the Lord spoke especially to his, own, uh, to his own disciples. And he deals with I feel um, certain fears to which the disciples uh, could have been subject or might be subject to, might be inclined uh, to the, these, these fears. Uh, we're all subject to, to, to fear. It's not, not always true that you can just stand before a, a, a group of a congregation and be just strong and bold. You know. and 
ever may appear on the outside you only knew what was going on in the preacher's heart Um, and I think I referred to it when I was reading Um, it could be translated that um, he began to say to his disciples comma first of all beware this was something primary a primary uh, 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 thing that they ought to be aware of and that was hypocrisy and you can see that had he was coming straight to them out of what had taken place in this that Homer at that lunch he was so aware of the sheer hypocrisy of which the Pharisees were guilty so he warns even his own disciples to beware of this hypocrisy to be afraid of it so we could say what he was doing there was dealing with um, shall we say the fear that set of, of, of self uh, of self getting the better of us and self getting the upper hand of us and that is a fear that he wants to um, wants not to discourage but to 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 to, uh, to engage and to to always to to exercise this fear in their lives, the fear of being hypocrites, and it is something to be feared. The word in the Greek, hypocrite, Hippocrates, in the in the classical. Greek, it, it often was used to refer to an actor, one who went onto a stage and, of course, played a part to entertain the audience, and very often wore a mask so that he he he's a, he could not be identified. Is that not exactly a real picture of what a what constitutes a hypocrite putting on an act it's not re- it's not his real self it's true his true self or his true nature but um, an act it, he's, he's, he masks him, himself the real self is behind the mask that is something horrible something to be avoided even on a natural level, but especially in a religious and in a spiritual uh, context. If there is any any situation or any context that requires and demands absolute honesty and reality, it is surely in the sphere of the spiritual, the realm of the spiritual, in this realm of true vital 
the true vital uh, religion. And of course, that is something that we all need to be vigilant uh, uh, concerning it. Why is that? Because we're all very prone, very liable to put on masks and hide behind the real self. What warrant do I have for saying that? I have the warrant of Scripture. What does Jeremiah say? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We don't we don't appreciate uh, all the fallenness of our nature and what we can descend to or condescend to. Uh, what we can stoop to that's a word. What we can stoop to to put on a mask can pretend that we're something that we are not. And is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who can discern the thoughts and the intents mm-hmm. of our heart. It's none other than He that warns, warns His disciples, warns those born again, warns those believers, who are believers, to beware of this inclination and proneness. He, he, he says that the the lab the, the yes he used the word leaven beware of the leaven of the Pharisees you know at least the ladies know the way leaven works in the in the baking it is something um, that um, uh, works. Slowly, secretly, and silently, until it pervades the whole. It's not easy to detect. You may see the you may see the finished prop, uh, product. Well, the same is true with this this sinful tendency that we all have uh, by nature. And the Lord warns us to uh, to be on our, on our guard, watch against it, because it can permeate our hearts, our thoughts, permeate our lives, and uh, our our attitudes. It's not easily detected. We're not good at detecting it in ourselves. We can detect it better in other people. But you see, such is the deceitfulness of our own heart. We're so prone at making excuses, for instance, for ourselves. We're so uh, prone uh, to deceive others, put on a front for other people. Just like what works in us, just like the leaven works uh, in, uh, in cakes or on scones or whatever whatever else. Um, it's not easily uh, detected. 
So that means that there's a vital need for self-examination. Not a practice that is popular in our day. So different to former for, 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 for former generations. But this generation is not good at this kind of examination. Don't deal with that kind of but it's a very necessary duty in in our spiritual lives, friends, to engage in self-examination. And though we're we're sort of we're not good at examining ourselves. And it isn't easy for us to detect our own hypocrisy. But if we take, bring our hearts under the um, under the under the well, not a not microscope, that one. Under the microscope of God's word, examine ourselves in the light of the scriptures and of course in dependence upon the help of God's Holy Spirit then we can uh, examine our own hearts and see how often it has proved for us you're reading you're reading the scripture maybe in a certain um, certain disposition or sort of frame of spirit you read and the word of God can just come like a hammer as if you're just smitten it, the word of God can just drive home and arouse your, your conscience and mind such is the power of the word of God and of course as I said depending upon the uh, isn't that what isn't that um, uh, what, the, what the psalmist did search me he says O God and know my heart try me try me uh, try my thoughts oh no can't read my own notes no, and know my heart try my thought oh, my th- uh, let me see Psalm 139 just bear with me 139 and adverse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxiety. And see if there is any wicked way in me. There is the psalmist depending upon the help of God by his spirit to come to a proper assessment of the spiritual state of his own heart. And of his own, of his own life, but as I say, it's not a popular exercise. That's for sure. But it is one that is needful and beneficial if we are to make spiritual, if we are to live spiritual health, healthy, healthy lives. Fuck.
you're going to show. That's when you're wanting to deceive others, and that's part of hypocrisy. But you see, we can deceive ourselves, and that's when the re- that's really dangerous, and become hypocrites, and perhaps even we can be unaware of that. You you can be guilty of. Um, basing your confidence and uh, your your uh, opinion of yourself and of your own spiritual condition, you can base it on false foundations, on false experiences. When you listen to people, how often I've heard people basing some uh, experience of their which they hope is a, and basing it on a complete misunderstanding and a complete misapplication of the word of God. Our hearts are deceitful. We have to watch that we're basing our our assurance, basing uh, our confidence, basing our hope hope for eternity that it is based on some on our proper foundation that will stand the test of time and will stand the test of the great test that awaits us all death when we're faced with eternity and is faced with the judgment doesn't uh, uh, the scripture tells us that the hope uh, the hope of the hypocrite will perish isn't it awful to think and I've seen that the time is gone isn't it awful to think of a person and of that we ourselves should ever come to that critical moment in our lives and our hope begins to fail our hope begins to perish little wonder the scripture exhorts us make your calling and your election sure remember the wise and the foolish virgins What was true of the foolish virgins? They didn't take oil with them. And when the cry came, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, what happened? Instead of their lamps burning brighter, their lamps began to go out. Oh, may the Lord deliver his friends from landing in that kind of situation when we most need the assurance of our salvation that it begins just to fade altogether. Now I know that on occasions there may be true genuine believers who can fall into darkness 
at these closing moments of life. But if the genuine believers, darkness or no darkness, their salvation is secure. But for the hypocrite, the one who's put on an act, the one who's been deceiving, deceiving himself and others, or his hope, whatever it is based on, is not based on the proper foundation. It's not based on a man having certainly passed from death unto life. Not based on being united to Christ by faith. Not based on justification by faith alone in Christ alone. And not works or services. That's what we need to make sure that we are united to Christ. That we are in Christ and once in Christ always in Christ. That is um, what we need to make our calling and our election sure. The time has gone and I think I may be able to perhaps take this up in, in the evening. Leave it there friends at the moment. May the Lord bless to us these thoughts upon his own holy word. Let's just engage in a word of prayer. <laughs> Oh Lord our God we pray that you would deliver each one of us from deceiving ourselves saying peace, peace when there is no peace Oh gracious one we plead that we would be united to Christ and uh, uh, trusting in him alone. We bless you for the assurance that we can entertain and exercise when our faith and trust is for none perish who trust in him. Bless uh, our meditation upon your word at this time be with us throughout the rest of this day and we plead for your presence when we gather if it be your will in the evening take away our sin for Jesus sake we ask it all Amen <laughs> let us um, conclude our servicing to God's praise Psalm uh, 56 and at verse at verse 8 my wanderings all what they have been thou knowest their number took into thy bottle put my tears are they not in thy book my foes shall when I cry turn back I know it God is for me. In God, his word I'll praise. His word in God shall praise it be. In God I trust. I will not fear what man can do to me. Thy vows upon me are, O God, 
I render praise to thee. Wilt thou not who from death me saved, my feet from falls keep free to walk before God in the light of those that living be. From verse 8 to the end of the psalm, Psalm 56. My wanderings all, what they have been, thou knowest their number too. Let's start. <clears throat> My wanderings all, what they have